Yeah, it's, it's just a, a great privilege to be with you and so cool to catch you in your old venue, um, what you will look back on as your first uh, old venue. Very cool venue. Um, and uh, I just want to say a huge well done to you on the last year or so. Has it, has it really only been... It's been a year. And we've, we've checked in since uh, Andrew and C were in, in Johannesburg right through to now. I've stayed abreast of your progress every step of the way. Um, even meet, do you remember when we had uh, coffee a year and a bit ago? Yeah. Um, before you had started, but it was all imminent. And, and just to see, see you all in the flesh, <laughs> it's all true. LAUGHTER <laughs> uh, is, is just brilliant. And I remember, you know, when Andrew and C were out, out in Johannesburg, hearing them dream about this. They weren't sure exactly what this would be, but, but talking and dreaming and, and to see it is, is just wonderful. And I'm a um, man who really does love Jesus because he's first loved me. Um, I was, it was really when I was 15 um, that, that my relationship with God kicked in properly and, and became real. And coming a distant second from Jesus is a love for his church. And I've um, got a love for his church, not just because the Bible says that we are the bride of Christ. And, you know, we should obviously love the things that, that uh, Jesus loves. But, but experientially, I've seen the incredible good that a local church can do. How God uses local churches like this to help, help people. I've personally been the recipient of so much of God's kindness through local churches I've been part of. I've, in recent years, I've been leading them, but still I'm a part of them. But um, in my student years, being part of a great church in Cape Town, it was, it was when I was in Cape Town um, at university, at uni, that I went along to a, the first church that I thought, wow, if this is... It wasn't perfect, but it was solid. I thought, if this is what local church is about... Um, Lord, although I can hardly spell church, I'd just love to lead one of these one day. Um, and I, uh, I played, played football um, in my youth. And back in those days, the position I played was called centre-half. It's not usually called that anymore, but it's the guy in the middle who doesn't usually score goals. Uh, he doesn't usually save goals. He's the kind of bland guy in the middle who's good at distributing the ball to others who score the goals. He's a playmaker. And as a sport-crazed 19-year-old, I looked at this local church in Cape Town that I was thinking of joining and thought, that's what, that's what this is. The local church plays centre-half. And I thought maybe, you know, I thought Jesus was great church, wasn't so good till I bumped into this church. Um, but I thought, this is, I can see it. The, ball, the, the, the local church passes the gospel ball to to businesswomen and businessmen and single mums and parents and, and help us, empower us, conduit for us to be empowered to serve Jesus and, and love him in you know, whatever calling uh, we have. So that's when my love for the church kicked in and it's now been, um, wow, it's been 25 years since I was 19 <laughs> and I'm even more thrilled about local churches. So what's going on here? Um, is already fantastic. I mean, just give a discreet cough if your life has already been blessed by, through grace, by God, through Grace London. Give a <laughs> yeah. And um, I want to, to preach from um, Acts chapter 6. So if you want to turn there in your Bible, uh, if you're getting used to your Bible, there's an index in the, 
at the beginning or just go to about four-fifths of the way through and you'll probably hit Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Acts 6. Love Jesus, love church, love cities. You, you, live, you, you just live in probably the coolest city in the world. <laughs> and you live in the center of the coolest city in the world. Uh, we're contemplating a move to Washington, D.C. Uh, from Johannesburg. We, it's not certain yet, not definite yet, but it's, uh, we're looking at that. And the thought of getting my heart around another great city. We started in Harare, then Johannesburg, and then the possibility of Washington uh, is fantastic. So I'm right with you in church and with cities. So Acts 6, are you there? Okay, just a little bit of context on this passage. Um, we've just did the maths the other day. We've helped. We've either started ourselves. So we've, we've been Andrew and C three times in our lives. So doing what you're doing three times. And then we've helped another um, 15 sites or churches start. And that's not just sending some bucks. It's been intimately involved, like a group goes out from us, either down the road or to another city, uh, and hands-on helping those churches get going. So it's 18 in 18 years, although it hasn't been one per year. Now, I say that just to encourage you that this little bit of story, narrative, what really happened in Jerusalem at the beginning of Acts 6, I've seen outplayed 18 times over the last 18 years intimately. And I'm just in, amazed how the, the principles, the challenges and the solutions in this passage for a local church, particularly at your kind of stage, how relevant they've been 18 times over. So I've probably taught this. This is probably my 19th time <laughs> I've, I've taught it. And it's just been so helpful in my life, my, Ashley, my wife's life, um, and in our church and churches that we've been involved in. And I do pray it will encourage you as you move from this venue into little, this temporary venue and then into your next venue um, And it's a key moment for you as a church. So the title of this message is Challenges and Solutions for Seasons of Church Expansion, which is exactly what's happening to you at the moment. Okay, you're expanding. Now, let's read. Now, in these days, when the the disciples, the number of disciples were increasing. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number... That sounds good, doesn't it? You've increased the number. I remember when this church was just Andrew and C. And now it's it's a lot more than that. You've increased the number. Why are you moving venue? Because you don't like zodiac signs? No. It's because you're increasing in number. And you are moving because you will increase in number. So this is you're right in the zone here. These days, when the disciples were increasing in number, comma. Surely it's just great. Nope. <laughs> a complaint by the Hellenists. That's the Greek-speaking Jews. So this was a predominantly Jewish congregation here in Jerusalem. And the two main groups were Greek speakers and non-Greek speakers. A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. 
So the 12 who were the leadership team of this church at that time. So the 12 summons the full number of disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables, to solve this problem of food distribution. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, These they set before the twelve apostles, the leaders, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And look what the result is, verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, in London, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Isn't that a great, great passage? It starts off with the number of disciples is increasing. It ends off with the number of disciples kept increasing. And in the middle, you've got godly, problem-solving and troubleshooting, a glorious mix of leadership working with the church, working with the leadership of the church, people being chosen and recommended and then appointed. And the word keeps being preached Prayer keeps happening, but people get fed. The whole church has matured amazingly in these seven verses. But the starting point is slightly sobering, that when a church increases, when you go through a phase of increase, and that can happen numerically, it can happen with the challenge of new venue and and kind of... extending your reach it can be a season of change when there's increase there's extra there are definitely going to be challenges and you're going to hit them and the glorious thing is is God is going to see you through them and I just want to open up this passage a little bit to look at some of the challenges and solutions they had they won't be identical to the ones that you will have but I think the underlying principles uh you can apply to whatever ever problems you hit. And I know the, res- I know the result is going to be uh, that the word of God continues to increase, the number of disciples increasing greatly in London. Okay, let's look at um, the great thrill is expansion. The main challenge... Wh- it was kind of it, 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 it exhibited itself as some widows not being fed. But the main challenge was, end of verse one, a sense of neglect. It says widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now speaking for myself, I've found that when we've planted churches and they've grown and we've expanded again, Ashley and I as church members, it happens that we're the leaders of the team, 
lead the church, but think of us as church members. We felt neglected at repeated moments over the years that we've been in expanding, increasing churches. We've personally felt that, and we've seen others around us feel neglected. And we each will feel neglect in a slightly different way. Um, Some of us, it will be, um, I'm not getting quite so much attention. And I'm not suggesting you're selfish and, you know, you've made church about me, me, me. I'm not saying that. If that is the case, that's sinful and immature and grow up. But I'm sure that's not the case. It's even if you're in with a really good heart, it's just as more people come in and as you move venue and there's other challenges, you'll just feel, you'll be tempted to feel slightly neglected. It's not what it used to be like. I'm not having the same number of conversations. We've got so many new people coming in. We're having to give our, our love, and we've only just got a limited emotional capacity. We're having to give that more and more to others, and I'm feeling I'm not getting it as much as I need it myself, and my job's particularly busy as well. So I've got a busy job, um, this new relationship I'm in, that's keeping me busy as well, and now church. And this, you can just begin to feel slightly ill at ease and neglected. For you, it won't be that you're not being fed. You know, it might be that was it. Is there a bar in your next venue? Do you, do you go to venues that don't have bars? <laughs> yeah, there's a, of course, there's a bar. <laughs> you can feel a bit overlooked. The, the NIV version says uh, they felt overlooked, and you, you overlooked such a good word. Actually, it's it's you know when you're talking to someone and they're talking to you, but you know they're really not. They're not quite there. No, yeah, yeah, that's great. You know that. That's like overlooked. It's, I don't have quite enough attention. Again, I'm not saying it in a sinful way. I don't, it's just not quite what it used to be. Left out, neglected, unknown, uncared for. And um, that can especially be the case for long-standing members. Now, you don't have any long-standing members because you haven't been standing very long. <laughs> but uh, you will feel the change. So that's, that's the challenge. As a church changes and grows, we, we can feel overlooked in different ways. So just forewarned is forearmed. Watch out for that. Let's move to the solutions. And the first thing to note is that they did take the problem seriously. Responsible church leadership and a responsible church doesn't just say, oh, well, you know, growing pains. Responsible leadership doesn't just say, look, it is what it is, toughen up. A responsible leader, leadership, in the problem is stated in verse 1. Verse 2, it says, and the 12 did something about it. Now, you can't solve every problem. We're not mollycoddling uh, as church leaders. We're mission leaders as well as pastors. So we want to keep moving forward. But let's look at some of these uh, solutions. Solution number one is... They increased honesty. You got, you got what I'm talking about. To overcome or win through on this challenge of feeling overlooked, not feeling quite the same. Number one, the great thing they did is they were honest. They voiced their concern or their complaint. And I think it's really good, especially as a, season, a church changes season, let, other, let those around you be aware if you're struggling with anything. I mean, this goes for, you know, you're struggling with something in your own personal life. Um, I've just recently um, 
got a friend who, um, he's been a friend of mine for um, 20 years. And he's been a close friend of others for longer. And it's, he's just, just been honest that he's um, had a, really a significant difficulty, problem in his life for 20 years. And he told no one about it for 20 years. And the poor guy, the poor guy, just to have carried that so long by himself. And obviously it's a huge relief now that he's got other people in helping with him. Don't do that. Don't, don't, life's too short to, you know, carry a burden alone. So be honest personally, but when it comes to church things as well, um, also, also be honest. Um, remember, it's not magic. Uh, leaders don't just naturally know what you're thinking. Don't suffer in silence. We're a family. And I would encourage you, as I encourage um, our church, try and complain with a good attitude. If you can't, no problem complain anyway a soft answer the bible says turns away wrath you know you know when you've got a complaint it's sometimes quite hard to complain or to raise it because you're, you're emotionally don't, don't worry just just say it your leaders those that you talk to don't vent publicly but uh, talk to the right people try and do it with a good attitude if you can't do it with a good attitude do it with a bad attitude because the response of the leaders will help you to have a good attitude and before you know it, you'll be saying, oh, I'm, well, I'm, look, I'm so sorry I got so cross. I, I still think my point is good, but I'm sorry I've been such a pain. And that's fine. It's all part of discipleship. But clear lines of communication, uh, I'm, they did really well. They put up their hands and they said, I know we're growing. That's excellent. But we're dropping the ball in this area. And they fixed it and everyone was happy. And I think the whole process of fixing it pulled them together as a church. Now, the nuance to this is that you and I, us Western, modern city dwellers, um, we're quite pleased with our own opinions sometimes, are we not? And so the nuance to all of this is beware unhealthy individualism. You know, Dan here, he's always going to have three great ideas before breakfast about how to do church better. Luke as well. He's back from Hong Kong. Man, the guy will, he will spot stuff, you know. And it's not just a free for all. You obviously, receiving this maturely, this was a genuine thing. It wasn't just everybody complaining about whatever they thought was good. So be honest. Number two, be organized. They got organized. This was a, to, to fix the problem, they got more organized. They mobilized seven people. I've noticed that in a small church, which you're still just in that category, in a small church, too much organization hinders relationships. In a larger church, too little organization hinders relationships. So you'll probably have to get I'm not for a moment suggesting you're disorganized, but I'm saying you will encounter situations and and, and growth where you actually do need more organization in order to help you maintain good relationship. Number three, increase the number of leaders. Obviously, this is a a main thing that's emphasized in this, this passage. Some of these points are more obvious than others. This is an obvious one. 
the solution to almost any problem in the church is more leaders. I've never met a church leader who says we don't need more leaders. We always need more leaders. Raising leaders rapidly is absolutely essential if a church is to go to the next level, particularly a church like yours, who wants to remain both strong in both relational warmth and in mission. We could say in both family and army. I know you want to do both. You're a church of and. You want word and action. It's exact. They said, listen, you know, we need to feed more people. And the leader's immediate response, like Andrew's will most certainly be, is listen, we've got to remain a church that's strong in the word of God. It's an expression of humility, isn't it? To honor the word of God. That it says of itself that it's a sharp sword that, that does excellent surgery on us. Uh, the word... Uh, is spoken of as food for us, a scroll that we, we eat. It's, it's nourishment for us. So th- this was a church who lived very well with tensions of both doing and being, both meetings and mission outside, of the church gathered, the church scattered, the, the word and the... You know, this glorious word ands that we love so much as believers. We don't have to choose between things. The, what we're designed to be as a, the body of Christ is so rich, this word and. So, so they managed and held... Uh, their their tensions so well, but they did increase the number of leaders. Um, Matthew 9, uh, verse 35. Let me just read that. Um, Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of, of the kingdom. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. I I respect you Londoners so much. Um, The crowds in London are, it's immense, isn't it? You know, you, 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 you get on the tube and you're just faced with a wall of humanity. And then you come out for fresh air and it's just, it's busy. And um, the city we live in is, it's a different layout, but it's also like that. And I always know that, that I need to just repent and spend more time with Jesus when I see crowds as harassing me and I see people, as an, these crowds of people, as annoying me. So in Johannesburg, we're, we're, we're famous for crime and we're famous for traffic. Um, just these, it's inc- these incredible traffic jams you get rammed up in and, and the crime is absolutely awful. Um, and I know when I'm losing my compassion for the crowds and seeing them as a pain rather than the people that God has made and wants to reach with the gospel, I know it's time for me to take the foot off the gas and get some soul time with my father. So Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he didn't get annoyed. He had compassion on them. Keep that before you as a gut check. If you're getting fed up with the people of London, you need to spend more time with your father in heaven. Aren't you, aren't you glad that he didn't get fed up with you? <laughs> freely we've received, freely give. So when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, here's the, the punchline, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Paraphrase, listen lads, no problem with the... Uh, 
harvest, problem is with leaders. No problem with the amount of people who could come to know Jesus Christ, who could become part of your family. Your no problem there. The problem is with the, with the number of leaders. And I really, because this is the main point of this passage, I really want to um, press it on you today that in the coming weeks and months, having more men and women stepping, going a step forward. It may not be becoming a leader, because you're already leading or serving in some way, but if everybody can take one step forward, some of you might want to take a proper step, big or a few steps forward. If that can happen... God will entrust you with more harvest. That's it's very clear what he's saying here. To move to fish. The problem isn't with the number of fish. The problem is with the strength of the leadership net. God loves people too much to entrust them to a community where they can't be discipled. He won't do that. He will lovingly uh, allow you to grow at, in proportion to the number of of those who have stepped up into leadership and and bearing leadership weight. I'm not talking about burnout or stupid busyness. When when you think leadership, particularly as busy Londoners, don't think, oh, I don't have capacity for that. Think, Lord, what what am I called to do? Do what you're called to do. You'll find that God gives you capacity for that. You may need to trim a few things, live wiser, but we need more leaders. It's absolutely critical. Um, how do you do it? It leads us to the next point. How does that happen? It leads us to the next point. Increase responsibility. It's a key, key part, key theme of this passage is that there was a collective taking of responsibility to fix this problem. It's, it felt like the whole church was involved. It says they gathered everybody. They gathered... Uh, Forgotten the exact phrase. The whole number, what was it? Summoned the full number of the disciples. So immediately there was a listen, we've got this problem. Um, But this point more personally is if each one of us can take a little step forward or a big one in terms of increasing responsibility, that's how. Church growth and health can happen together. Increasing responsibility. I've got a, a friend who some of you know called Stephen, uh, Stephen Jack, and um, we've been working together in the same, same church or churches very, very closely for uh, 15 plus years, 16, 16 years or so. And um, he's a dear brother, he's a fellow leader, and just a couple of years back, he had a, it came to a juncture in his life where he had to, had to make some decisions. And he wrote to me, uh, thanks for the message. I had a great day with the family and I'm, I'm excited for my soccer tonight. Looking forward to the next five years of saying yes. So he had, he had a decision before him an opportunity, and he felt, no, I'm called here, I'm called to this church, and we've got this thing, we both of us agreed 15 years ago, if in doubt, we say yes. You know, if 
if one of us asks the other to do something, our default answer is yes, unless there's a good reason for not doing it. If those who we're being led by ask us to do something, our default is we'll say yes, unless there's a good reason. And so, so I, I'm, I'm a bit moved now. Looking forward to the next five years of saying yes. He's a brother. He's a friend. He sometimes says no, but he's always got a good reason. But his default is yes. Yes, I'm, I'm up for this. And I think that attitude of saying yes uh, will see you surge forward in this next season. You might be familiar with the um, uh, charge of the Light Brigade, Lord Tennyson, into the Valley of Death, rode the 600, cannons to the left of them, cannons to the right of them, British cavalry, forward, charge! Um, <laughs> What Tennyson didn't record, but what historians do, is the cowardice of the, 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 the officers, that when they came in cannon distance of the enemy cannons, the bugler sounded the, the, the call saying, officers to the rear. And so what would happen is these officers with their moustaches on their, their mounts and their swords charge, you know, and the rank and file would follow, charge, and when they got in cannon and bullet distance, they would slow up their ponies, and the common rank and file would surge forward, and thus the, the officers would be protected from, uh, you know, what it was fine for the commoners to, to eat hot lead. So the bugle in the church only ever sounds officers to the fore. It, there's always a price, there's a leadership price to pay. It's a glorious one. We're empowered by Jesus. It, life comes from it, but there is a cost, but it's always officers to the fore. We take responsibility. We don't shirk responsibility. Martina Navratilova, one of the great tennis women's greats of, of all time, she was towards the end of her career, and she was beginning to just be involved in other aspects of tennis. And she was asked in a press conference, Miss Navratilova, how are you enjoying your involvement in international tennis? And she said, very sharp, press conference, she said, in- involved? I'm not involved, I'm committed. She said, think of ham and eggs. The chicken's involved, the pig's committed. <laughs> and um, I've... I think that's a huge key for us. I mean, I think of Jesus, and I say this reverently. Aren't you grateful that he wasn't a chicken? You know, yeah, I'll, I'll help out if and when. Pop out a little egg. <laughs> you know, we can be a bit like that. Can you be a bit like that? I'll, I'll chip in. I'll chip in with the mission of God. I mean, I'll fit it in around my very busy, important career. It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do you a favor. Lord of all creation, I'll do you a favor. Um, no problem. I'm involved. Can you, can you, um, I'm going to stop doing that. It's disgusting, isn't it? <laughs> you get the picture. Can you help out? Would you do this? Well, you know, I'm just so great. Honestly, I'm just the, our gratitude to Jesus for, for being, I say this reverently, the great pig, the, the, the great sacrifice for us. You know, he came and he, he gave it all up. He was not just involved. He was committed that's what responsibility looks like. Saying yes, officers to the fore, ham and eggs. Next tip 
they played to gift. They increased playing to gift. Um, If you're not familiar with the parts of the Bible that speak about gifts, we're not talking about a present that someone gives to someone. We're talking about God giving different strengths and abilities to us that if we use them, uh, we find, use the gifts he's given to us, we find special success in doing that. And as a church grows, it's easier for square pegs to find square holes. I reckon if I was to survey you at the moment, very few of you would say, I'm in my sweet spot. Some of you are saying, I I, I help with that. It's not really me, but that's where the need is. Good for you. But it's square peg and round hole, which isn't a train smash. If you've got a round hole and you've got a square peg, most of it's filled. It's not terrible, (laughs) but it's not sweet, you know. As a church gets bigger, wonderfully, there's more opportunity for us to specialize in the area that we're particularly gifted in. Still maintain, I'll serve anywhere, anytime, whatever's best for the mission. Keep that attitude, but you'll also find that you're able to specialize a bit. They, they, t- they hand-picked very suitable people for this job, it seems. Next one, a couple more. Um, wonderful verse 5 it says and what they said please the whole gathering so this is a this is a, a maturing church where there's a kind of symbiotic relationship between the leaders and the followers we don't think that do we we think we're in this together brothers and sisters but but some do lead and the bible says honor and respect your leaders and obey your leaders, the counterbalances. The Bible has a lot of very sobering things to say to leaders about take care how you lead and, and so on. So it's a wonderful symbiotic relationship. And this is a great picture. You've got someone in the church, a group in the church saying, I think we can improve in this area. And the leaders say, excellent, great initiative. And then the leaders say, um, who? What, how do you think? And... Some people, some men get proposed, and then the leaders sift and say, I think that's absolutely right. This was a very good case study of leaders and followers working together. So we could say this heading is maintain or increase faith and unity. This proposal pleased the whole group. There will be moments when... Our leaders call us in a direction that we're not absolutely sure about, have robust conversation and all the rest, but then we move together. So I'm not saying everything's, I'm not saying it's one man, one vote kind of vibe. When we're a theocracy led by Jesus through elders, and until a church has elders, it's through the leader and the leadership team. Not one person, one, one vote. But I, want to, I think the encouragement here is as you expand, so even moving to a new venue, there'll be fresh challenges. Then if you move to another one after that, there'll be fresh challenges. That You will find that there's, a lot, that, that there's more opportunity as you grow and advance to disagree than if you're all just staying doing, doing the same thing. And when that happens, I want to encourage you, lean into each other, 
mutual respect and love, leniency towards leaders. Leaders will be listening to the people, and so we move forward together. Faith, maintain faith and unity. Next one is increase your dependency on the Spirit. Isn't it interesting that for this kind of practical-sounding job, one of the specifications would be that they would be full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And that's a common theme in Acts, that they chose people full of the Spirit. So without getting into a theology of exactly when and how we get filled with the Spirit, something, a point we can easily and quickly make is that it seems that there is the possibility for believers to be less full or more full of the Spirit. They're saying, when you're going for leaders, go for those who are more full of the Spirit. And there's not a a monopoly on the Spirit by some. The the point is each of us can lean in and desire more of the Spirit. So here's how it practically works for me. My area of responsibility, say the church I'm in is growing, or the small group I'm leading is growing, or the eldership team, there's increasing. What does it mean to lean more of the Spirit? For me, it means a couple of things, notably... I I think to myself, wow, when it was just a group that size, I could get to everybody. I could connect to everybody through various ways. Lord, now I I can't do this. Therefore, please, by your spirit, would you direct my energies to the people who need my energies at at this time? And that those who don't, That's great, Lord, I don't need to give my pastoral care or attention to them, but you know who does, so please show me by your Spirit. Now, you might say, well, you don't need the Holy Spirit. If someone's struggling, they're going to tell you. Life doesn't work like that always. You know, when you're struggling with something, often you don't put up your hand, a la point one. And I've, I've found that when I'm deliberately acknowledging my weakness and saying, Father, by your Spirit, please make me a better pastor, make me a more effective evangelist. I'm telling you, God drops names into my mind in a wonderful way, or he causes me to overhear a conversation, not in a creepy way, but I just overhear, or someone just says something, and it's like a trigger for me, and I think, I must just check in with so-and-so. I must just check in, or I'd say, do you know how so-and-so's doing? Can you just check in with her? Just check she's okay. And it, it, it just happens again and again. Often I'm driving her along and I'll just think of someone in the church and I've disciplined myself. I pull over whenever the next safe thing is. Pull over, give them a call. It can be someone in another country, maybe a church leader. It can be someone in my small group in, in my church. Give them a call, fire off a message. I just, just say, just phoning, checking in. How are you doing? I don't usually lead with the Lord directed me to phone us thou it's a bit intense but I just just check in how, how are you doing the number of times that the person says how did you know and I said I don't know anything at all and I'm not being spooky spiritual here I'm all I do is to say Holy Spirit please give me a heads up wherever I'm needed and I think that's a great prayer and approach do it, do it in the workplace you know you've got maybe you've got 20 colleagues in your open plan area and you're just thinking I want to help these people consider the claims and teachings of Christ, and I just don't know how. I don't know who's, I don't know who's open. The Holy Spirit does. Ask him. He'll orchestrate conversations. He'll just, he'll just think, what? I think maybe. 
following the promptings of the Spirit as we get bigger. Our pastoral care nets, our friendship nets, do you have, what do you call small groups? Community groups. You call them something just now. Life groups. Yeah, I like that name, doing life together. Life groups should pick up you know, most of, of that kind of thing, but still as you grow, need to be increasingly led by the Spirit for both evangelism and caring for people. Okay, uh, there is two more now, sorry. <laughs> Increase hospitality. Obviously, this was a biggie. They actually helped people's felt needs. It's a temptation as the church grows just to lose the personal touch and not really care about those, those around you who don't have too much money. No, we've got to work hard at uh, being hospitable and caring for people, for waiting on table, for elders, uh, sorry, for, for widows, uh, for orphans. Often a small church, that, certainly this has been our journey, as a small church we've felt we've been better at caring for each other's needs in the church, worse at caring for needs in society. As we've grown as a church, the challenge is to keep caring for one another in the church, but it's been easier to get organized to, to have, have really effective projects amongst, amongst the poor and underprivileged. Increase hospitality. Think of your Sunday venue as your lounge, your living room. Um, you know, if uh, you have people over, for, over to your flat or whatever for, for coffee, um, maybe you're doing it as a, as a couple of friends, you're both going to be there. If you're a married couple, or I speak for myself, Ashley, my wife, gets really bleak if, if we're inviting people over to our home and I'm late back from work. You know, they've arrived and she's looking after them. I come in the door and she goes, hi. And she gives me that kiss, which isn't really a kiss at all. It's just like, you're in trouble. We'll chat later. And she, and she says, come on, come on. These are our friends. This is our home. That's my best argument for being at church on time. Get here early uh, on a Sunday. Uh, be hospitable to those who are checking you out because no doubt as you move venue, you will, you will have even more visitors joining you on a Sunday. Increase hospitality in a Sunday context, in a home context. Obviously, hospitality is more of a heart attitude than a practice, but it outworks in, in practice. Be hospitable in conversations. You know, hospitality, hospital. Hospital, you get cared for. Be hospitable in conversations. When you're talking to someone, give them their give them your full attention care for one another and finally they did not abandon mission even in this flurry of admirable uh, desire to care better for each other they kept pushing out drawing more people into the family of God I, I think it is good to think of the church neither as a hospital ship nor a battleship. Think of the church as a hospital battleship. Okay? Hospital, battleship. Don't try and divide them. We're both family and army. And it will always be that some of us need time below deck in the sick bay, getting the best care on the most comfy beds. You know, you're going to hit issues in life and you will go through seasons where you just don't have the energy or the ability to be up on deck firing guns at the kingdom of darkness. We fire bullets and shells of love, not aggression, (laughs) at the kingdom of darkness. But you'll just feel, 
I know our church is on mission. I don't want to be on mission. I just need help. I need, there will always be those of us in that situation. The best thing for you to do is to receive care in a church that's moving forward. So you need to be down below, below decks, in the sick bay, being cared for, but don't get off the ship and don't steal too many people from, from mission deck side. You will heal best on your bed, feeling the throb of the propellers and hearing the sound of the guns and knowing that you'll soon be back up on deck. We don't have to choose. We are on mission. You are on mission. For those who are just taking a bit of strain, stay with it. Be cared for. In no time, you'll find yourself back on deck, uh, blasting away at the kingdom of darkness and loving the citizens of London and introducing them to Jesus. So we take great care of each other, but we keep moving. And the results, just once more, verse 7, and the word of God continued to increase. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly in the center of London, and a great many of the priests, the citizens, significant citizens of London, became obedient to the faith. I think this might have been the depressingly encouraging message (laughs) that you're going to hit problems, but don't worry, Jesus will see you through. I'd love to pray for you. Why don't we just, as in our seats, let's just, um, just take a moment quietly. might help you just to pick one. I know when a message has too many points, or certainly a lot of points, it might be good just to pick one and say, Lord, I'm really particularly believing you for this, for me and for us. Maybe take two. Honesty, organized, big one is increasing responsibility, more leaders, playing to gift, selfless, but Playing to gift. Faith and unity, increasing spirit, hospitality, and not abandoning mission. Which one is it? Which one are you going to just hone in on? Just ask you individually, just ask for God's help on that. Say, Lord, help me, help us. It might be something you're more aware that you need corporately. Just pray. Just, just ask God for it. Father, I pray for this next phase of Grace London. I do thank you for the privilege of being here just on this poignant Sunday. Thank you so much. I do pray, Lord, for Grace London as they step out in faith to a new venue, a better, better venue. I pray for your help on them. Lord, I pray as they grow and more believers join this church and more inquirers join this church, more skeptics join this church, I pray for peculiar ability a heavenly ability on these men and women to maintain both battleship and hospitalship. I pray for that, Lord. A peculiar ability to maintain prayer and ministry of the word, but also effective acts of kindness 
to one another and to society. We pray for that, Lord, that this church would not only become a great preaching and worship and prayer center, but it would become a great center for social action and, and practical care for people's physical needs. Please, would you do that? I pray, Lord, for enlarged hearts, for hospitality, for these men and women. I know they're busy, Lord. I know they, they are truly doing important things day to day. But we pray for soft hearts, that we wouldn't get hardened to the great mass of humanity in London. I pray like you, Jesus, so we, as we get onto the tube, there'd be compassion in our hearts. We do, do ask for that. I pray for a sensitivity to the spirit. Lord, thank you that you don't call us to a job that you don't equip us to do. And I pray particularly, particularly for this, for sensitivity to the spirit, for co-workers, who's open to, the, who's open to considering Christianity, a sensitivity of the spirit to who needs pastoral care and love at this time. Thank you. Thank you for the great assistance of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We love you. Thank you for your example to us, Lord. We joked about, you know, you not being involved, but you being committed. We're so, seriously, we're so thankful for the commitment of you, Jesus, through your life and your death and your resurrection, that we might know you and help others know you. Thank you, Father. So I do pray, Lord, for my friends here, this remarkable year that they've had. I pray for the next year and this marker of next Sunday and all that that represents for your great help on this church, that they would manage the tensions. I pray for great harmony of leaders and followers, particularly, Lord, as in the next year or so, as, as some leadership emerges and, and it's more clear on who does what. I thank you for such maturity, unity, and harmony. We pray this in the great name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.